This has been a very interesting week, to say the least. Um, this week has caused me to learn some things about myself and about some other people. Um, some of it really, really good. Some of it somewhat troubling. But what I have learned is in the face of hardships, as we all have, we can endure, we can overcome. And then we can come to the house of the Lord and we can worship Him. And that was some powerful worship. Um, if uh, you are one of those that have not had your power restored, and we're still, I'm still praying for you. Um, after, a, after a few days um, at my house with the kids and things kind of start closing in. <laughs> and we have a lot of kids to close in around. Um, but we quickly found, at least it was funny, on the, way, on the way here this morning, we were sitting here talking, and Lisa said, after uh, Dan Crane and I, we, we had to go out and get some stuff the other day, and we took Lisa with us, and she said, after I figured out that I could leave the house, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but we get tied up in that, don't we? We think that we have to be right there, but uh, good news is, you know, um, Walmart stayed open, and a couple of Athens was still open, and that we could get out and do a lot of people. But we're definitely praying for all those. Here's the thing, regardless of whether or not I think most of the power has been restored around here. But keep, keep in prayer all those because there's a lot of people down in Florida that still doesn't have power. And let's keep everybody down there, brothers and sisters and everyone involved in prayer. Well, let me kind of just jump right in here. Um, as Dr. Jimmy said, for some time now we have been meeting and going over a variety of different things. You know, Lisa and I joined the church sometimes back, sometime back and... And so I gave it a good six months before I come to Dr. Jimmy and basically just said, he knows a lot of my history anyway, and said, okay, this is what I think we need to, you know, I need to do. I need to follow the Lord's leading. Um, If I could have got out of it, I would have a long time ago. In fact, I tried to get out of it a long time ago, and it didn't work out. Uh, God has a sense of humor. So we've been talking about a variety of things over the last several months, and it's just so interestingly happened that our last time together we were talking about sermon prep. And I knew then, I knew the minute he asked me about sermon prep, this was coming. So he wasn't fooling me, I knew it was coming. And, uh, and he did, after we met that morning, he said, well, what does your schedule look like? And uh, I was like, busy. <laughs> but that didn't work. Um, but we sat down and we were, you know, we were talking about the different things that I do to prepare for a sermon. And I have a pretty simple process that I normally go through. And I'm going to tell you about one of them. Not so long ago, I was asked to uh, speak over at Penfield Baptist Church. And I was actually up in Madison, and I had met with a gentleman, um, totally unrelated to preaching. He just comes up to me and says, hey, would you like to preach at Penfield Baptist Church? I said, I'd love to. I would. Anytime I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm all for it. And so I did. We sat there and talked for a little while. It was a short conversation. And then I had uh, turned, went, got back in my truck, and sat down in my truck. Before I even cranked my truck up, I said, Lord, what message should I bring in? Instantly. Instantly. The Lord said pride. And I heard that in my spirit. It wasn't audible, but in my spirit, I knew what I was supposed to preach on. And that was pretty awesome. But it's also kind of terrifying because before I can ever actually bring a message, that message has to come from me. So my first instinct was awesome. And my second was like, wait, 
What do you mean? Uh, so I come through that and realize that, you know, I still deal with some pride like so many of us does, but, you know, God can't overcome that. But it was the way in which God went about it that I was literally in awe that God could respond that fast. And so as Dr. Jimmy and I were talking about sermon prep and he had asked me to speak, I was like, I was coming off the high off that last time. And so I began to pray, you know, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? It was just that quiet. <clears throat> and, uh, but no worries, you know, I was, you know, I was in the Word every morning. I was reading. I was doing my devotions in the afternoon times. I kind of like to go on a, what I'll, what I'll determine is a, like a little prayer walk. I'll walk around, and I hear so much from God when, I, when I'm able to get still and be quiet. And uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't concerned yet. But I kept praying, and I kept praying. And every time, Lord, what do you want this message to be on? That's how quiet it was. So this just kept going back and forth. And I was really wanting to get this message prepared because um, it was just a week or so ago. Um, I actually had to go down to Jack Lyle, which is terrible, I understand, uh, for a conference that I had to do for Penfield. And I really wanted to get that message completed before I left. So I kept praying. And I kept hearing nothing. It's not that God wasn't speaking to me. I got a lot through this word. You know, anytime you have the opportunity to put this in, something great's going to come out of it. So it wasn't like I was getting nothing. It's just that I wasn't getting anything for a message today. But I didn't get concerned. I kept praying. Kept praying. So I'm not one of those to be overly concerned about some things. And so I kept praying. And so I at this moment, I'm not even concerned. Because at some point, God's going to give me a message. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, the reality is, is I was getting to that point where it's like, I really need to get a message. <laughs> I've got to get something down on paper because I'll go chasing rabbits. I've already war, you know, forewarned Dr. Jimmy. My wife's down here in the front row to throw stuff if I start doing it. I've already warned everybody up there. But here's what God told me, is I was starting to get to a point to where I was a little bit concerned, not worried, but a little concerned that I wasn't going to have it in the time frame that I thought I needed to have it. This is what God told me. God said, come to Jekyll, expect him. And at that moment, I was good. Because I know as long as I follow him, everything's going to be all right. So that first morning, well, we actually got there that afternoon. This picture right here. Now, I can't attest to my photography skills, but when God paints masterpieces like that, even a non-professional such as myself can find something beautiful in that. This is what I woke up to the first morning. This first morning, I'm sitting in a little gazebo about 15 minutes before I took that picture, and I was just staring out over the ocean, and I was looking, and I was waiting on that sunrise because I knew I knew in my spirit that when I did, God was going to tell me what I was supposed to speak this morning. And as I was sitting there taking that picture and sitting there, this is what God brought. He basically raised three questions. And I have come to learn that when God asks me questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because I need to look to see 
what those answers are. What if? What if I came to church expecting to encounter God as He is? That's a huge question for me. Okay? What if I didn't put God in a box? We all have what I'm going to deem as God boxes. All right? Your box may be different shaped, it may be bigger, it may be smaller, uh, mine may have holes in it, but the fact is, we all have this type of God box. But what if I came to church and instead witnessed God as Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? What if I began to do that? What if I began to witness God as all-powerful? Holy and righteous. What if I began to look at God as if he really were full of mercy and grace? Miss Sarah, that song touched me deeply. I almost got a tear. When you sang the words, I see broken, but you see old. See, God doesn't see things like I see things. He has the whole picture. What if I began to witness God this way with the understanding that God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with me? What if we all began to look at it in the aspect of, really, God just wants a relationship with you. That's what He truly desires. I'm going to speak to just a couple of truths today. One of those is, there's a lot of times where I come to church and I am full of joy and peace. That really can't be shaken. I am set my feet, if you will, upon the solid rock that's Jesus Christ. And I don't think I can be moved. But then there's other times. Okay? Maybe you're not supposed to be this transparent, but I'm going to share something with you. There's times when Lisa and I on the way to church, began to argue. There's times to where my children misbehave and I get upset. There's times where I misbehave and my wife and children get upset. It's a real thing and it really happens. One of our pastors from years ago used to actually speak on this. And he said, well, if you have to, ride separately. <laughs> I don't know, it's just a thought. But then there's something that magical happens. I can't even explain it. Maybe I'm the only person this happened to. But when I come to Grace, I'm coming down 44. I take a right. And somewhere between pulling through that gate and parking my car, I get this big old smile. It's not real. (laughs) But it's my church smile. And I'm not, I know I'm not the only one because I'm a people watcher. My wife actually gets on to me about it. I've seen some of you do it too. We pull in, we're mad, we're frustrated. She's laughing because she knows it's true. And by the time we park that car, we've got a mask on. And that's okay. It really is. If this week's proved anything, it proves that we deal with a lot of stuff. We really do deal with a lot of things. 
But isn't okay if I were to come to the house of the Lord, regardless of what my state of mind is, regardless of what my situation is, even if I couldn't put on my mask, if I could come in here and be real about my situation and begin to just expect God to be God, would that be okay? I think that really would be okay. See, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne, the throne of grace, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Be honest with you, sometimes our need is even when we're here. This is a good place to start. But I don't think we have to come in wearing that, that mask. After looking at things quite a bit, I've basically determined that there's two different times in life. There's those times in life when I know I need God. And then there's those times in life where I need God, but I don't know it. Here's my question. Which one of those are you in this morning? Whether you're up, whether you're down, whether you're full of joy, full of peace, or whether you're dealing with sorrow. Whether you have a whole lot of peace or you have none at all. God's right here. He's right here for us. Isaiah 41.10, I think she's going to pull that up. says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is as solid a promise as I can find in all of scripture. And here's the most beautiful thing about that. It's never going to change. It's never going to change. God always was for you. He is for you and he will always be for you. Fact is, life changes. Every day. If you've got small kids, it changes multiple times an hour. But life changes for all of us. We're all dealing with different things at different times in different capacities. But God's never going to change. He's always going to be there. So if I can begin to take that information, to come to church expecting God to be God, if I can just start there, then the second question began to pop up. If I can stop putting on my church mask, if I can stop putting on a fake smile when I get out of the car, if I can expect God to be God, then what if? What if I lived every day expecting God to do what only God can do? If we're honest, many of us have an insatiable appetite for worrying. Got any worriers in here? See, y'all ashamed of it. There's numerous scriptures throughout this Bible that tell me that we shouldn't worry. And here's another truth for you. Even if we had permission to worry, which we don't, I guarantee you we worry about the wrong things. We would. If you have your Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. 
I'm going to read a little section of Scripture right here, starting in verse 25. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. I think they're going to put it up on the screen. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, for they do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God, God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much, much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The storms of life will come. Armor proved that. And we, in fact, we didn't even need a storm to tell us that the storms of life will come. We all deal with different things at different times. My first morning there on Jekyll was beautiful. This is actually a picture I took on the second morning. And I was, uh, again, due to my less than stellar photography skills, right along the center you can see that there's a path that runs across through there, um, about halfway up that picture. And that was substantial for me because that first morning, I, I truly feel like I had an awesome encounter with God. But once that first point come, that was it. It's nothing but the ocean waves, and I was fine with it. So I went down early again the next morning, uh, set in a different, little different place. But as the sun began to rise... I went walking down a little path that leads down to that bike trail that goes across through there. And on my first day there, um, I had seen a, a lady, and she had a, one of these little three-wheel bikes, big ones, and she was riding down through there, but I didn't speak with her. And that second morning, as I'm walking down towards the ocean, kind of where I was led to go, uh, I come down this trail, and the trail, that bike trail was right in front of me. And I see coming down this trail this lady on this bike and I could have scurried across and went on down to the ocean but I really felt the, the need to just stand there and I did I actually just stepped back off the trail because I didn't want to frighten her it was early and so I was just kind of standing there and she comes down and she just stops right in front of me and this is what she said to me she said if those people up there and she motioned to the hotel could witness this they would never, ever question God's existence. I knew in that moment God had placed that lady there for a reason. At this point, I hadn't inter even introduced myself. And she went on to say, she said, I ride down through here every morning that I can. She says, but I don't always make it by sunrise. She looked up at me and she says, but tomorrow, I'm going to come expect it.
This lady had no idea who I was. She had no idea that I was preparing a message with the title of Come Expecting. That one actually did bring a tear to my eye. It didn't take me long with talking with this this lady before I realized that she is one of these people that has actually came to a place in her life to where she lives her life expecting God to be God. She had lived, learned to live her life accepting the fact that only God can do what God can do. That's a great place to get to. Now, if I can do that, if I can start coming to church without my mask on and allow God to be God and to do what he can only do, and if I can start living my, my life Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays in that same manner, then God brought up this last question. What if, instead of living like God could or even would, what if I started living my life like God already has? So many times we start getting to the place, and I've literally heard it. Well, I know God could, and that's normally followed by, but. Or I know God would, if. No. When I start living my life like God already has. Because, see, here's the thing. Everything that God needed to accomplish is done. As Jesus went to that cross, as he was there, he said these words. It is finished. There's nothing left. There's nothing left that Jesus needs to do. He's given us everything. He gave us the example to live by. He gave us his Holy Bible. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given each and every one of us a testimony. Mr. Robinson was up here talking this morning about the different things this class is going to help. And here's the thing. I think just getting to a place to where we can learn to share the gospel, where we can start learning to share our testimony, those are powerful things because God will put people in your path day after day after day. Um, I made it a point over the last couple of days, every time I saw a lineman or anybody who was working on anything, I stopped to tell every one of them, thank you. In fact, yesterday I stopped right beside the guy, and I could literally tell he was almost hesitant to turn around because he didn't know how I was going to respond. And when I said, he said, look, I want you to tell you and your whole crew, thank you. Man, you want to talk about a smile. I said, I know you're tired. I know you're away from your family. I know it's hot out here. I just want to tell you, thank you. God will put people in your path that you can minister to, share with, or draw from all the time. Jesus accomplished everything. He was born in Bethlehem. The Bible said that he had to be. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was that example that we live by. He went to Calvary. He was crucified. He was laid in the tomb and he was resurrected. And the beautiful news is he's coming back. 
So what if I could start getting to that place to where I could, instead of living like God could or would, but what if I started living like God has? What if I live like God really did rescue Joseph from being a prisoner and turn him into a leader? I don't know a lot of you's testimony. I know some. Here's the thing. I was a prisoner of sin. I was bound in it. It was dark. It was dirty. He made me clean. I couldn't do that for myself. What if I started living like those walls of Jericho really did come down? Insurmountable. Impossible. No way it's going to happen. They followed God. Didn't have to do a single thing else. The walls come down. What if I did start living like the book of Joshua talks about? What if I did, really did start living like God even caused the sun to stand still? It's impossible. It can't happen. There's no way it's going to happen. And God caused it to happen. What if I started living like that? What if I did start living like the, the widow's oil didn't stop flowing? You're talking about a situation to where her entire livelihood was on the line. They were taking, give me a little liberty here. The house was gone. The cars were gone. The kids were gone. Because she owed what she could not pay, everything was gone. I know they didn't have cars back then. But the house, the kids, everything was on the line. God sent the prophet by and asked her one question. Y'all know what that one question was? What do you have? She said, I got a little bit. With a little bit is a lot with God. She come away, no debt, and enough to live off of. It was an impossible situation. Without God, nothing. What if I did live like Peter really did walk on the water? It's not possible. You can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. He really did step out of that boat. And there's a whole message in that in itself. But he stepped out. Sure, he began to sink. But he got his eyes focused back on the right place. All right? He didn't drown out there. What if I did start living like Jesus opened the eyes of the blind? What if I did start living like he caused the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak? It's impossible, right? It couldn't be done. Until Jesus came walking in. What if I did start living like Jesus really did raise Lazarus from the dead? What if I started living like Jesus was raised from the dead? But here's where the stretch comes. What if I start living like I was raised from the dead? And Sarah, what that song say? Talks about being, being dead and then now I'm alive. I had to write it down. It just tied in so well with this. What if I started living like where I was once dead in sin? And I was. All right, I won't go into that right now. But I promise you, God saved me from so much that I can't even begin to express at times what he has saved me from. He didn't just save me from something. He saved me to something. And I'm going to go ahead and 
start getting to the place where I, I bring this to a close. But if I could begin like I had been resurrected back to life, and if you can begin living like... Because see, here's the thing. At one point, everybody in this room was bound by sin. I choose today not to identify by the sin that I used to live. I choose today to identify with the Christ that lives in me. Remember what I said early on? God's greatest desire, as far as I'm concerned. You can look at this as a lot of different things. Book of history. Book of Psalms. Poetry. So many ways you can look at this. I choose to look at it as a love story. From cover to cover. It's all about how much He loves you. And His greatest desire is to have a relationship with you. My prayer all week long for this service is that one of two things. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you come to that place to where you would invite Him into your heart. And if you're at that place to where you know Jesus, my prayer for myself and for you is that we'll begin that transition of living every day, moment by moment, that we'll start living in the manner of which we're trusting that God's going to do what only God can do. Good times, bad times. In this life, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations. That's true. But that's not our only focus. There's going to be joy. There's going to be sorrow. There'll be peace. There'll be some heartaches along the way. But if we can just start living, God really does have this. We're going to be all right. I think this morning I'm going to ask Dr. Jimmy to come up and offer an invitation. And if anybody out there is in need of prayer, we're going to be up here at the front. I want to thank y'all so much for being here this morning. Whenever we are confronted with God and his word, it, it places a challenge in front of us. And that is, what will I do with this? Do I pretend like I didn't hear it? Do I just go on and live my life like nothing else has happened that God hasn't spoken? My challenge is this morning is that whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, that you respond to that. For some of you, it may be, you know, I need that life that, that David talked about. I need, I need to be born again. I need to be made alive because the Holy Spirit's made it abundantly aware to me that I'm spiritually dead and I need that life. For others, you need a church home, a place to belong. And I'm grateful that God led uh, David and Lisa Marie and their family to become a part of the life of our church, a place where you can not only come to be served, but if you want to get the most out of it, it's a place you can also come to serve because that's where you really find the connections with others. Or maybe you just need to come. You've got some burden you've been carrying. And you just need to lay it down. This is an opportunity for you to respond to whatever God is placed on your heart. And I pray that you'll do just that. Let me, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for speaking. I thank you for calling. 
Lord, give us the heart and the will to respond. For some of us, it may mean humbling ourselves before you, um, casting pride aside and simply coming and being, being real with you. Because, Lord, we want you to be real with us. We want to know you as you are so that you can change us into who you want us to be. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us here, for calling us to follow, to calling us to faith. Lord, we respond now in faith, asking you to do only what you can do, and that is to change us from the inside out. Lord, we thank you that we can come expecting and that you always deliver. Not necessarily in the way we, we thought it would be, but in a way that's far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. And so, Lord, move, in the, move among your people now and move among those that you're calling to come and be part of your people. We ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.